We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chiefs standout rookie receiver Sky Moore, who has already been turning heads in just a short time up at training camp, left Tuesday's Chiefs camp practice injured, reportedly with a hip issue. We're going to catch up with Nate Taylor from The Athletic, who was at practice today and saw everything to find out the latest, plus much more today on KCSN Update. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? It's time for another KCSN update. I'm BJ Kissel, and it is Tuesday, August 2nd, also known as my wife's birthday. So feel free to drop her a happy birthday in the comment section while you are liking and subscribing if you haven't done that before. I am always excited about Tuesday's shows, even though it's just the second time we've done this, but it gets but it means I get to talk to my guy, Nate Taylor, and ask him five burning questions about what's going down in Chiefs Kingdom. And there is a lot we need to get to today. But before I do that, a quick word from our partner, DraftKings. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012, and now they're doing it again with Rainmakers Football. It's their first ever NFT fantasy game. It's a new shot to win millions in prizes. It's the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers Football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code KCSN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code KCSN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, everybody. Now let's welcome on Nate Taylor, who has been braving up the heat up for us in St. Joe, covering practices for The Athletic, where I'd ask you to support and subscribe to catch all of Nate's content if you are not already. It's worth it if you are a big-time Chiefs fan who loves Chiefs content 
And I would be surprised if you were watching this, if you were not already a big time Chiefs fan who knew who Nate was, but go ahead and, and hit up his content because Nate, my man, you are very, very good at what you do. Oh, thank you, BJ. Um, I just want to let everybody know uh, we're almost at the halfway point of training camp. Uh, we're getting one step closer to the first preseason game uh, against the Chicago Bears. That is next weekend. And yes, every day I drive up and down from St. Joseph. <laughs> it is always a treat um, to see how this team is doing. And, and honestly, BJ, um, you know, the story that I'm writing today is about the second day in pads. We make so much mm-hmm. of this in media about the first day that that first little taste that first glimpse of like real football but how's day two when Andy Reid makes the practice even longer you go through even more reps and your body's just sore because you've already hit somebody for the first time you're like you know this is not like the regular season this is not even like the preseason like you don't ever play you know games back to back or you don't really have practices in the regular season back to back so this is a real growth day for the Chiefs um, in a very structured Andy Reid training camp, but I'm happy to be joined with you here in St. Joe for the first time yeah. that we're doing this. And you're the perfect person to ask this because a lot of people who were following on social media saw the video clip, and I know 41 Action News had put it out, and we saw it before. We showed again right here, but Sky Moore, during a one-on-one rep, goes down with an injury. They brought up after practicing that it was a hip injury. Now, we only get that little bit that we saw on that social media clip. What did you notice about that, and what's the latest you can tell us about Sky Moore? Yeah, well, the unfortunate thing is we're starting to see a little bit of injuries get through training camp. Obviously, Jody Fortune's been dealing with a quad strain, and now you have Sky Moore with this hip strain situation where uh, the biggest takeaway for me was that he hobbled and that it was sort of after the one-on-one repetition had occurred. Um, mm-hmm. So it's inadential contact. Um, it's unfortunate. Um, I won't be surprised if the Chiefs give Sky Moore a day or two off from practice um, before they sort of put him back out there on yeah. the field. Um, but before that, Sky Moore had really blossomed over the last, I would say, five to six practices where you could really start to see him piece it all together. Like, what does the quarterback want? Understanding the offense. Obviously, you're moving around a lot on the field. And when he actually got to the port of running the routes, it was the shiftiness and the way he was able to create separation that I thought was impressive, particularly against guys like maybe Legeria Sneed or uh, some of his you know fellow rookies like Uh, Joshua Williams, who's been playing with the ones a lot on defense. So it's a bit of a unfortunate situation. I don't think it's a serious, uh, a serious injury. No one's given me that indication yet, but I won't be surprised BJ if he has to take, you know, maybe Wednesday off comes back Thursday, or you just say, Hey, let's, let's let him really heal up before he's on the practice, maybe Friday or Saturday. Yeah. Not that they're always forthcoming with a lot of injury news not that they have to be, but that's why I want to ask you, cause you can get a feel for it. Uh, just in talking with the people and asking questions about yeah. it. If it's really serious, you can, everybody's a little bit down. You can tell that it's a little bit more and not that it might not end up being that, but it's, it's encouraging to hear from you that it seems like uh, while it's not great for a rookie to, to miss time during any training camp practice that it doesn't seem too serious. And I, I want to ask one more question about Sky Moore because to your yeah. point that he has really been impressing. And I had somebody ask me this on social media and I didn't, have 280 characters to explain the answer but i said what's the difference between sky Moore having this standout off season throughout otas and before they really put the pads on and guys in the past um that we've kind of 
hmm. put a little bit too much on. And Noah Gray was the example, and that was very recent. But I go way back further to Mark Harrison, Kenny Cook, Ross Travis. I mean, those guys Cook. were Kenny Cook was my guy. I absolutely oh, love. I was all about the Kenny Cook train, um, and I hope he is doing well. He had an amazing story. I hope Kenny's doing great. But uh, what's in between those guys uh, standing out in the off season, and then the way in which people are talking about Sky Moore, and the only way I could explain it is. He's doing it with the ones and he's not making incredible physical catches necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like those, most of those guys were big. No, Noah Gray, notwithstanding Mark Harrison, Kenny cook. Those are big, tall guys who are going to stand out in shorts on jump ball situations where there's not a lot right. of contact. Sky Moore's route running ability was talked about coming out of the draft. And that's what started to separate is his, the, the burst in and out of his cuts and how clean they were. That's what yeah. stood out to me. But for you, what's the difference between guys that we've praised in the past of having great off seasons and kind of getting all hype about them uh, and what you've seen from Sky Moore up until his injury today? Yeah, it's, it's to your point, BJ, a lot of it is about for me separation. And as I understand yeah. what the offense is trying to glean from this is how do you sit down in zone coverage? How do you do against press coverage sort of getting into your routes sooner rather than later? And then I would say too, you always have to put the special teams as an element especially for a rookie, because they have to sort of get their roles down, even if they are a first or second round draft pick. For Sky Moore, you know, we talked to Dave Tobe today. Uh, can he have a role of being maybe the punt returner if McCole Hartman's going to be asked to be maybe that one or two, you know, that number one or that number two receiver, maybe he takes less of that role, you know, kind of transitions out of special teams because you have a new guy that's dynamic as a punt returner. And there yeah. was one rep that really jumped out to me when it came to Sky Moore, particularly against the ones, and it was very early on where – he ran sort of a sophisticated route, which means it's it's more than just one cut. <laughs> and it was in the middle of the field and it actually caught Justin Reed by surprise. And then he was still able to play through contact and catch the ball from Patrick Mahomes in the middle of the field. So it's a sophisticated route that's in the intermediate to deep part of the football field, which you can sort of project for what he will do in the regular season. And then how does he finish the repetition? How does he finish the catch? against a pretty quality defender in Justin Reed when you know that level of competition is going to be there on Sundays when you get those one-on-one matchups. So what I always like to see from receivers are how do you come out of breaks? How do you run routes? And how do you do against contested catches? Because that's what the NFL really is. Like college, you watch any Sky Moore mixtape, and it's just like, (laughs) wow, he's open all the time. And that's what college is. Um, You know, there might be one potential NFL DB on a roster. Um in a college football team or in a college football game, right. all those dudes are on the field in the NFL. So it's a, yeah. it's a drastic difference for the quarterback and the receiver in a way that I think fans don't quite understand all the time. And so if you see Sky Moore in the preseason game against the Bears or against Washington, a lot of what I will look for is um, how does the route start? Does he get to his landmark at the appropriate time that Patrick Mahomes or Chad Heaney wants? And then does he catch the ball if it's a contested opportunity against another player who might be just as inexperienced as he is or more likely will be more experienced than he is because he's a rookie. Yeah. And one thing I want to bring up uh, as we finish off the first of five burning questions here with Nate Taylor from the athletic is if you play that video again with the, the sky Moore injury, the lady at the very end of it, you can hear in the background screaming, walk it off. <laughs> She's just manifesting all of cheese kingdom watching on social media, just hoping to get a good, hoping to get a good update. Just saying, walk it off. Shout out, uh, shout out to yeah. that lady, man, man, it hurts. <laughs> oh man, it's hot. And this is why it's miserable for the second day of, 
of past practice yeah. because I don't know if Sky Moore's had a day kind of like this where, again, uh, you've gone through so many reps and now it's increased. And, yeah, unfortunately, two, one too many collisions leads to a hip injury. Um, yeah. But, yeah, he'll, I think he'll be fine, lady. Uh, <laughs> but, but I do love fans' enthusiasm uh, because, obviously, they, they made the trip too and they want to see uh, sure. what the young rookie has to offer. And she wanted to see him practice. She wanted mm-hmm. she went up there to see Sky Moore and catch passes yes. from Patrick Mahomes. She's following everybody's content, talking about how great he's been doing. Uh, yeah. You love it. But if you love the fact that Sky Moore is not apparently, based on what we have right now, not a serious injury, go ahead and hit that like and subscribe button while you're at it. And then let's move on to the number two burning question. And this one is a little bit in jest as well. But uh, since you're up there every day, the other day when Patrick Mahomes had his foot stepped on and he limped off to the field, do you feel pressure as a beat writer who's there if you're going to put out some information hmm. on social media about Patrick Mahomes being injured? Because if you put out put that out there and it turns out it's not a serious injury, it was already on NFL Network probably 12 seconds after you tweeted it. So yeah. what's going through your mind as a beat writer when something like that happens with a dude like that? Yeah, well, well I hope everybody understands that, like, you know, I understand that there's a responsibility that I have. Uh, you know, I'm supposed to watch everything as as objective as I can. But you understand that there are storylines throughout camp and camp kind of ebbs and flows and what is relevant and what is not relevant or what may, you know, be more interesting sort of down the road. You know, one minute I'm watching George Karloftis because I know I want to see what he looks like today versus August 10th versus August 18th when camp is officially wrapped up here in St. Joseph. But if we're in a team period and Patrick Mahomes hobbles for the first time that I've seen in camp, then, yeah, everything sort of clears out. And I have to sort of be mindful because, you know, much of the season comes down to his success, to his health. Um, And I understand that because I've been covering camp for going on five years now, it's an understanding that uh, I've seen Patrick Mahomes enough to know when things are not looking good or they don't feel right. And, because it's the first padded practice, you also want to make note of that, too, because um, it can be a little sloppy. It can be a little disorganized. That's totally OK. Um, as Andy Reid told us after yesterday's practice, he got stepped on by an offensive lineman uh, coming off of a blitz. So Justin Reed sort of collapses the pocket or helps sort of collapse the pocket. Um, and Patrick is trying to figure out a way to scramble out of it. Um, and he gets stepped on. Now, he didn't take the next repetition. So already there's news there. Um, And now as I'm processing it in real time, as quickly as I can with my eyes, both on the field and in my phone, I'm trying to, you know, write it as cleanly, as easy to digest it as I can, because again, this is all happening uh, in the moment. Um, And I hope people appreciate and and respect how I try to go about it. Um, And then if you give one update, I always feel it's responsible for me to give the next update. So if he goes to the medical tip, there he is at the medical tent. And I would do the same thing for, um, you know, Jody Fortson, obviously when he had his quad situation, or I would do it for someone, uh, you know, pro- more prominence on the roster necessarily. But with yeah. Patrick, obviously you just want to give every step of the way. Uh, you know, it's funny. One of my, one of my other friends who's also a, a sports writer um, called me yesterday and he was like, what's it like when you have to tweet that like the star quarterback is jogging with his teammates in practice. And I'm like, people want to know that because, yeah. Unfortunately, you know, uh, there was one hiccup in practice and it involves a quarterback. So um, I'm self-editing all the time. I'm trying to write it as clean as as factual as I can. 
Uh, I don't want to necessarily put my opinion in it, but I've seen where he points to his ankle and it looks like it's a tweak. It's a tweaked ankle. It yeah. looks like part of that is because he got stepped on and he tried to move off his landmark uh, at that moment. So it's a, uh, there's always, there's always a bit of like, you don't want to go too fast. And I tell this to anybody who wants to do writing or journalism, like you don't want to go too fast, but you want to understand the moment and write it as accurately yeah. as you can. And so I hope people, uh, appreciated that yesterday and it's, it's good to know that today i didn't have to tweet about hatrick mahomes because he went through every rep in tuesday's practice that is good i just as soon as you see it from one person i go to like the four beat writers who are there every day who i know will take the same amount of care as you will where yeah. there's hundreds of chiefs fans out there and it, they can all get retweeted we've seen it with videos and with just thoughts or what they see at practice it there's a there's 5,000 reporters out there with cell phones and Twitter. Uh, so when stuff like that goes down, it's like, all right, where's Nate? Where's Herbie, Matt, Pete, like yep. the guys that are going to be careful about what they're saying uh, and make sure that they don't fan the flames. Uh, uh, so to say uh, about that, but obviously we're all happy that Patrick Mahomes uh, is healthy, but yes. uh, yeah, I wanted to have a chance to ask you that question. Cause I don't think people on the outside quite understand the dynamics of that's nerve wracking for anybody. Cause you can't be wrong and just be very thoughtful. But again, to your yeah. point, you have to be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. In the moment as well. Uh, and speaking about being in the moment, Juju Smith Schuster was in the moment yesterday when he put out on Twitter that <laughs> it was the hard, hardest practice of his life. The first day in pads. You might read Andy that on, on a little. You might read that on a little website called theathletic.com. Uh, BJ, Ooh, there we go. There we go. Make sure you check out the athletic for the story. So it won't take too much of the story, but um, I'll add a little different flair to it here in the moment, Nate, than what I was going to ask because it was always interesting to me. I did this once where it was Chiefs Alumni Day. And I asked one of the former players about how hard an Andy Reid camp looks. <laughs> and they mm -hmm. looked at me like, do you have any idea what we used to do like back in our day? And I had never felt so small. I mean, I was talking to a big dude. So I'd never yeah. felt just so small in every different way. But it'd be like, dude, we did full padded practices, live hitting like Oklahoma two drills two times a day for two a lot days. longer time than these guys do. And not that this is not hard. This is not saying that at all. But that kind of gave me that like, I need some perspective depending upon who I'm talking to. <laughs> but if you talk to anyone that plays in the league right now, and Jeff Allen talks about this all the time, Mike DeVito has talked about this, yep. and they've played on multiple teams and for multiple organizations, that it is no joke to go play in an Andy Reid, you know, training camp. What stands out to you 
about covering Andy Reid's practices and just the physical nature that it is. It doesn't mean they're necessarily doing the Oklahoma drills and hitting like that. Right. But these guys are what what stands out to you, not to to lead you into it. Yeah, well, to 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 piggy off Jeff's point, uh, I it, it made me giggle to great delight when he said that the first day in pads is always great, and then he immediately <laughs> wants to fast forward to yeah. the regular season, um, which is which is so accurate because it's a tempo, it's a speed mm-hmm. of which you're getting the reps, and I think that's ultimately what Juju Smith Schuster was was sort of telling you know Chiefs fans about like. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's not to say that Mike Tomlin, the the head coach of the Steelers, doesn't run a tight ship or doesn't know how to practice physical. Um, I just think most NFL coaches, in contrast to Andy Reid, like to be a little bit more deliberate or they like to be diligent in the idea of, you know, making sure that everything's right and then we go. And I think Andy Reid sort of works in somewhat of a backwards way where it's like, I want to give you as many reps as possible, as quickly as possible, so that you realize that the game here is really, really fast. So that yeah. when you get to the regular season, you know, nothing feels too fast for you. And that's yeah. a thing that really translates over to younger players. Most specifically last year, I think it was really beneficial to Creed Humphrey. You're going to be snapping the ball and communicating with Patrick Mahomes about what you see from the front seven on every play against the Cleveland Browns to start your NFL career. You are the starter. And so yeah. on these long, you know, rep periods on these, you know, team blitz periods on these two minutes, seven minutes down by two scores. They go through a lot of scenarios, but it's always done in a faster tempo than you would normally see during an NFL game. And I think yeah. that's where Andy Reese sort of separates himself, where receivers specifically, and I feel bad for them when it comes to Andy Reese, because you have to be fast. You have to be able to catch the ball. You have to be able to run through contact or obviously press man coverage, which is what the defense is playing most of the time. And we need you to run another route, like, as soon as possible. I need you to get back in the huddle, figure out what Patrick wanted you to adjust here. Hey, I kind of wanted you to cut in a little bit more here. Hey, if you you see that defender lag, like, sit down a little bit because I want to get the ball to you a little quicker, and let's do it again, like, really, really fast. And I'm just going to say this as adequately, as comfortably as I can. I imagine Ben Roethlisberger does not throw the ball, A, as fast, and go through plays as quickly as Patrick Mahomes does. But that is all through Andy Reid's sort of viewpoint of all this. So I can show you these yeah. things in our meetings because we did 10 more reps today than you would have done at another NFL team, which gives yep. me more ways to evaluate you, which allows you to get better, which allows us to work faster towards the next thing, the next install group, the next phase. Yeah. Um, so everything is done with a tempo and a speed that I think surprises new players and or rookies because they have never practiced this fast before in their careers. Yeah, I think it's the gr- best example I can give is if you're looking for a tangible way to show off like organizational leadership, it's watching an Andy Reid practice because you have 200 people on the field and there's no wasted time. Everyone right. from Alan Wright to Rick Burkholder and their staffs, they know exactly what the next drill is. They know what reps they have. They all know exactly what plays are being called. They're called for a certain reason. They scheme mm-hmm. the offensive scheme or the offensive play call versus the defensive play call to watch yep. a few certain things to see if guys are handling what's being taught to them in the walkthrough the day before. They can take that information and then put it in a live environment to your point where there's not a lot of wasted time. You have to get out there in a game situation where you don't have 
two minutes between plays to really understand like, okay, I really need to make sure I know what I'm doing here. It's not going to be like that in the game. So get out there and figure it out. But I, that's the one thing that Mitch Holtis always used to say mm. as being the biggest difference between Andy Reed and everybody else's practices he ever, he'd ever been at in that there's no standing around. There's no right. everybody communicating or yelling. This is what we're going to go do next. They don't divert from the game plan of what they're going to do that practice day. If they screw up a play, he's not repping it again. If it wasn't perfect, right. they move on to the next thing. Um, that, I didn't yeah, know. That, I don't know any different. That's all I ever knew. Yeah, I, I was actually going to make that point, and you, and you are so correct. They don't really do things twice. Or if you do something twice in Andy Reid's training camp, that is that is a sign of something yeah. has gone horribly wrong. Um, rookie mini he, rookie mini camp when they rehuddle because they couldn't spit out the play like, call. That, I, that's the only time you'd see them really really upset on a football field is when they have to rehuddle. It's not not, not good. Not great. Not, good uh, not, not great. I, the, the the last thing I'll say too is the CBA, along with the player association, along with the league, in terms of obviously health and safety protocols, obviously trying to reduce the level of concussions. All these discussions, they shorten practice time. So the mm-hmm. most you can do now is two hours and 25 minutes. Yeah. I talked to Vic Vermeil, and Dick Vermeil used to have three hours and 30-minute practices, and again, twice a day. So yeah. it, it forces coaches to be efficient, and it forces coaches to really try to find the best way to get as much information from the players that they can evaluate so that they can obviously, as you mentioned before, get to the next thing but still feel like you're teaching that player and getting them ready for a game-like situation. So um, the days are not as long as they used to be. They're actually much shorter, which means, mm-hmm. you know, classwork, study work. How do you understand, you know, the communication pre- to post-snap uh, and your technique? Those things are really discussed, I think, a lot more in the in sort of that, you know, walk-through, uh, individual meetings, team meetings sort of settings. But for those two hours that we watched today on Tuesday – um, they went through about five different scenarios, and that's really important because you're not going to get those five on yeah. Wednesday. They're going to be a very different five. Yeah, they're very, very efficient in what they do. Let's move on to the fourth burning question. And this one, I, if you, anybody who watched uh, the KCSN update from yesterday, from Monday, had a segment about the Chiefs running backs group because it's one to watch. You and I had spoke a little bit about it before. On It's really interesting because – generally over the past few years besides the one year they kept Tremont Davis and they ended up trading him right after that uh they keep three running backs and a fullback and Michael Burton is going to be the fullback it seems like there's not any competition yep. there you keep three running backs which three are those going to be and you've got six on the roster right now with Clyde Edwards Elaire Ronald Jones Jarek McKinnon Isaiah Pacheco Derek Gore and Tayon Fleet Davis and nothing against Tayon Fleet Davis, but we're probably going to spend most of the time talking about the other five guys right now. But my projection was the three veterans who we know with Clyde Rojo and McKinnon, where I'd expect Pacheco. He's going to get a lot of work this preseason. I'm not going to wish injury on anyone, Nate, but he might have an injury and ended up. And that was my original thought process is seventh round pick. They like him. They're not going to want to stash around practice squad in case somebody wants to, to take him away. So he might get injured um, because, again, he's getting a lot of preseason play. Uh, then Dave Tobe comes out and says, like, he's our kick returner and Isaiah Pacheco is going to be here. So would you keep – and here's my question for you because it's going to be a layered question. To be a kick returner slash most likely a third down back that Pacheco would be looking at as a rookie, there is so much put on the third down backs, not just their ability to catch and be athletic and make a play and pass pro. 
you have got to know what you're doing in pass protection to right. protect the best player in the NFL and for them to trust them in those situations. That's just a lot to put on any rookie, regardless of where you're drafted. And so to put that on a rookie seventh rounder, didn't know, but I'm not there every day. So he comes out and Dave Tobe will tell you more about what's going to happen <laughs> with the roster than any other media availability there is. Yes. And we all have known it for years. He comes out and says Pacheco's the number one kick returner. What does that mean for the other spots? Do they possibly keep four running backs this year and maybe one less receiver if he's going to be that kick returner? Just what do you, how do you see this thing shaping up? Anybody who's out there listening, let us know in the comments how you think the running back room will shape up when we get to that 53 man roster. But Nate, as it stands today, what would you put your money on? Right now, Dave Tove basically told us that he wants the Chiefs to keep four running backs. And that is unusual uh, in past years for all the reasons you mentioned, BJ. Um, the first two preseason games against Chicago and Washington are going to be the most important games in Isaiah Pacheco's life. That's just where mm -hmm. it stands right now. Um, because every kick return, Dave's going to basically ask him, I don't care where you take the, take the football, whether it's in the back of the end zone or at the goal line, bring it out. Let's see what you can do. If he has mm -hmm. a highlight or two, or if he shows the ability to sort of make that first guy miss and to get to the hole quickly. Now he's one of the fastest running backs out of this rookie draft class. He ran a four, three, 40 uh, at the combine. So I'm eager to see how it looks. I, I tweeted it the other day. Isaiah Pacheco can run routes from the slot. I've seen it. It looks interesting uh, because that speed in the open space is just fascinating to watch. The problem now becomes, can you be the third down back for protection? Because I really think the best player to fit that role right now is Jet McKinnon. Jared yeah. McKinnon did it at a very high level last year when he was on the field. Um, it's one of the reasons why he had success in the postseason, I believe, beyond just when he yeah. had the ball in his hands. Um, Clyde Rizalera is your starter as of right now, so you can pretty much lock him down for his role on the offense and in the in the 53-man roster projections. Um, Ronald Jones becomes a real interesting sort of twist into this because I think the Chiefs realize they need to have a one-two pair at the running back mm -hmm. position. And Ronald Jones provides probably more durability than what Jared McKinnon has shown in his nine-year career because McKinnon usually has phases of playing really well and then he has an injury. Um, but yeah. that's usually what happens at the running back position. You get hit a lot. Um, so Dave Tobe is really asking Andy Reid, can I keep Isaiah on kickoff return and ask you to find a role for him on a couple plays in yeah. a regular season game on offense if he's going to be up as part of the active roster on game day? If it does not go well for Isaiah Pacheco, then I think Sky Moore or you could look at maybe McCole Hardman could be your standardized kick returner. Um, Ronald Jones needs to perform well in the preseason because that will be the first look of him in the real Chiefs offense moving forward. But this is going to be, again, the most fascinating position battle throughout all of camp, throughout all of preseason, because I'm fascinated to see who has an edge and I really can't give you a, a direct answer right now, BJ, or, or for our fans. I know they're probably saying like, yep. Hey, how would you, how would you grade the depth chart? And honestly, I would say right now it's probably Clyde, Ronald Jones, Jared McKinnon and Isaiah Pacheco, but yeah. that two through four is tight, like really tight. So um, although the team has been in pads yet, we've seen a lot of one-on-ones between offensive linemen and defensive linemen. We have yet to see the one-on-ones, between linebackers, safeties, and running backs. So when that happens, that may be the next part of the evaluation for that position. I need to see Leo Chanel against Isaiah Pacheco and just see, let's Sign see what you got. Let's see what you got, man.
Oh. All right. Final and fifth burning question. This is about Frank Clark. Um, he was pretty open we, and honest with the media yeah. during his media availability the other day. Um, what's a realist, realist? And I think anybody who's watching would have a chance that basically said like he knows he hasn't been good enough. And he definitely doesn't feel like he was good enough last year. Needed to make some changes, cut out alcohol, be better to his body, eat better. Um, all of those things that some Chiefs fans liked that he was open and honest. And some just like we're paying this guy a lot of money and he's doing these things. Um, I have always defended him because I had a chance to be around him. A lot of the ways that he's talking, the way that he's helping mm-hmm. young guys, the stuff that I saw from the beginning where he wasn't putting up numbers, but he was going out of his way to help his teammates. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always um, support and want him to be a part of this and want to be a part of another championship team. But, you know, in three years, he has 18 and a half sacks. It's not what the Chiefs or what Frank, even for himself, had expected when he came. What's and he's only 29 years old is the other part of this. Now he's, he's right. lived a tough, a tough life. That's a, like a, not quite like the level of Tamba, but it's an older 29 years old, but what's a realistic expectation for Frank, for you, for this season? Um, the number one thing is just got to be health and peace of mind. And I think that's what he showed us in a very revealing, vulnerable manner on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate him for that because like you, BJ, we, we've always liked Frank because um, I don't think he ever shied away from whatever the circumstances were um, in his performance. Now, I think for fans, I would always tell fans, you want honesty, you want truth, you want to feel connected to that player um, because you're, you're, you're a fan, you're rooting for the team, you're, you're obviously interested, it's our job to give you as much information about the team as possible, and I just want to give a professional athlete, uh, another human being, a professional, an adult, a chance to answer the questions the way they want to answer them. Um, Frank does that better than just about anybody on this team. Uh, I think when you look at guys that are interviewed, you know, a number of times, based on their prominence on the position, what they mean to the team's success or failure. Um, it's really Frank Clark and Travis Kelsey right now um, in terms of guys that I'm most fascinated to sort of hear their perspective, gain some knowledge. And then obviously with the context of their own performances, you know, remind fans what their situation is. I think a reasonable expectation is that he stays healthy BJ, um, that he is more of a leader. Um, he looks completely different to me. Uh he spoke in a way that I, I thought was, um, again, really revealing because I knew how hard last year was on him, which is why I asked him the question, how hard was last year? And then he gave a very detailed answer about how hard it was mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, you know, from a statistical standpoint, I think the barometer for him is around eight to nine sacks yeah. in a 17-game season, uh, just being a consistent pass rush threat. The idea of winning one-on-ones, we're seeing more speed and burst from him off the line of scrimmage that dates back to, honestly, January of 2020 when the Chiefs went on their Super Bowl championship run. Uh, So there's an element of that where he can still be a special player in certain moments. I think it's important that the Chiefs went on first down because that's always sort of geared towards Chris Jones and Frank Clark's ability on third down. Um, And if he plays well, then, hey, maybe Steve Spagnuolo doesn't have to blitz as much as they did over the course of last season. But I would say eight to nine sacks, consistent pressure on the quarterback. You know, last year, he had, I believe he had 17 quarterback hits. If you get up around the 20s, um, that's a really good season because you're getting to the quarterback at least once a game to affect, you know, the outcome of whatever that play is. It may lead to a turnover. It may lead to a big third down incompletion. Obviously, um, I think fans are more, uh, more than aware of that. So um, the key thing for him is he's got to be healthy. Last year, yeah. he had no legs because he had – 
hamstring injuries on both his legs. Um, and yeah. so it took him basically until November to feel mostly healthy. And even with that, he still wasn't at the weight that he wanted. So he's trimmed that down. Obviously, you mentioned he's made, you know, what appears to be healthier choices for his overall body and trying to maximize his peak performance with, you know, cutting out alcohol, cutting out red meat, trying to be more, you know, just just a little wiser. And I think that's something we could all yeah. sort of aspire to as, as human beings, as, <laughs> as, as people who are getting older by the second. Um, <laughs> can I be a little wiser as I get older with this stuff? But um, I'm, I'm really fascinated to see how this season goes because much of – and I think he realizes this too, and I, and I think fans should be aware of this. When you think about Frank Clark, his success is really tied to George Karloftis' success. Yeah. Because – those guys have to work off one another. Um, yes, Carlos Dunlap will be in the mix. We haven't seen him yet, but he will. he's set to practice on Thursday. But he's taking so much time to build George Karloftis up so that they can each feast on one-on-one opportunities when presented. And so yeah. George Karloftis has a nice rookie season. A lot of that can be translated or equated to, you know, Frank Clark's veteran leadership. And yeah. I think Frank is starting to see that, like, he's had the individual success. He's had a feeling that very few players in this league have ever had. I was a pass rushing phenom at the height of my powers to help a team win a Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. And he and people not rewrite history, Frank. And I think what 70, 80% of the playoff games had a sack in the final five minutes of each one of those games. He shut down games. Like he He closed game. He closed the games down. Yeah. He he shut down games. He has one of the highest sack totals in NFL postseason history, which I think fans often forget about too. Yeah. But now it's about what can he do for the young guys? How can he reinvent himself? And again, it's just really, really compelling um, because he knows how important this opportunity is. And he understands too that based on his contract situation, this might be his last year in Kansas City. And how do you want to leave yeah. base the organization? How do you want to leave this part, this chapter in your career? Um, much of that will be determined with what he does this season. I don't think you can be anything but optimistic and you just sit back and say, what would this defense look like if Frank Clark goes out and has the best year of his career? Not that he's going to go out and get 17 sacks and be at the top Mm -hmm. of the league, but if he comes out there and gets consistent pressure on the quarterback and opens up things, to your point, to Chris, we know what Chris Jones and Carlos Dunlap can do in the middle. We've seen the physicality and the violent, those heavy hands that Kelsey (laughs) talked about with George Cofferlophagus or whatever, whatever, (laughs) whatever Travis called him. And then you've got Leo Chanel as a rush Sam who can get down hill and his closing speed with these when he within six yards of anybody with the ball is what stands out about him we saw it on highlights so far that guy can get from five yards to a tackle faster than a lot of players that i've seen in a long time so there's five (laughs) options right there who can get after it uh to get after the passer for steve spagnolo and so uh we're all rooting for frank i think anybody's had a chance and uh we both have had a chance to talk with him and kind of know what he's about and to your point we'll answer the question and he'll stand there when he's not playing well and he'll kind of own up to it even when he's not feeling well and he won't make excuses for himself um even when it feel like people around him would probably make excuses for him to be like hey this is real um uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what his season looks like and how healthy he stays throughout the year but nate man i appreciate your time that's all we've got for today's kcsn update we appreciate chiefs kingdom for watching and listening to this show whether you're watching on youtube or listening to the podcast version please go ahead rate review subscribe all of those good things and let us know what you think and we appreciate your time and nate i will let you 
wish everybody uh, what final thought do you have for us before we say goodbye? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, thank you to everybody who watches um, and listens, obviously, to the podcast. I, I would say that the last thing is we're getting close. Um, we're almost at the halfway point. I would just say that how the linebackers look moving forward will be really, really fascinating to me because you're starting to get, obviously, the more physical nature of the game. But obviously, Andy's going to still pass the ball a ton. So mm-hmm. it's that mix and matching, that balance you have to have being an NFL linebacker is extremely hard in this league. Um, and so can Willie Gay get through this clean? Uh, can Nick Bolton continue to grow as a leader in year two? Elijah Lee? My guy. Local, I was going to mention home, if you didn't. Yeah, local hometown guy. Uh, his first stint with the Chiefs seems to be doing well. He might play a role on defense and special teams. And then obviously Leo. I mean, we're just we're, just, <laughs> we're starting to see it, man. We're starting to see where uh oh okay i could i could see why he was a third round pick now because when when he touches you you stop moving you you stop going (laughs) forward at least that's what's been so far in practice and um we had a nice tackle on on ronald jones i i took note of it just because you know ronald jones has been in this league quite a while he's he's a pretty big man and and uh he was stopped in his tracks by leo chanel for at least one rep so um how the linebackers do is what i'm going to start to watch and obviously share with with your uh, lovely people, and obviously our subscribers at The Athletic over the next week or so, just keeping my eyes on the linebacking and how that may look moving forward now that we've gotten a feel of how the Chiefs' defensive line has finally sort of come together with Frank, Carlos Dunlap, George Kaloftis. Now it's about, okay, how that how is that linebacker group going to shape up? Um, are they going to keep five players or, or six? Yeah. That's also a part of the equation as well. All right, those guys will keep fighting through it, and you'll keep fighting through it as you get up there to bring us all the latest news and updates. Nate, we appreciate it. Everybody, until next time, please be kind to one another. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.